Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Brother Joseph, we're, we're glad that you're here. Hey, I, one, two, three. Man, we just keep adding them up. Welcome to the family. I always say, hey, you, you come more than once, you're part of the family. And so we're glad that you're here. And we want to open this Bible study tonight in prayer have several needs that we need to go before the Lord and uh, pray tonight. How many believe in the power of prayer? I believe in the power of prayer. Hallelujah. And tonight we're going to do just that as a body. It's nothing like when the people of God bind together in prayer and knowing that your your need is being taken before the throne. And tonight we're going to do that. Uh, At the top of our prayer list, we want to remember Sister Martha Dodd tonight. In prayer, she'll have a heart procedure on Friday, Friday morning, very early. So I'm going to ask all of our prayer warriors to be praying for her, that the Lord would uh, anoint the doctors, anoint the nurses, be with Brother Dodd. He's here tonight. Be with him. Uh, They are scheduled to keep her overnight in Huntsville Hospital. Uh, She'll hopefully go home on Saturday. We're just praying that this surgery and procedure will go without any complications in Jesus' name. So we want to lift her up in prayer. I want us to continue to remember Sister Valerie Jones in prayer. That the Lord will continue the miracle in her lungs. And God's going God's gonna to get the glory out of that. And so we're, we're praying for her. Uh, Sister Linda Yafamika, we want to continue to remember her in prayer that the Lord would continue to bring strength into her body. Uh, I also want us to remember uh, my wife's aunt, Sister Rosemary Bell, uh, fell this past week, broke her, her wrist. And uh, we want to pray a healing in her body, a healing in her body, a continued healing. Let's remember Brother Percy and Sister Jean Burns in prayer that the Lord would just continue to give strength into their body. Brother Shane Haynes has a PET scan on tomorrow. We want to pray that specific uh, need would be met. And uh, let's continue to remember my mother in prayer. She's doing amazing. And Lord willing, they'll be in church with us on Sunday. They're coming into town and spend a few days, and we're thankful for that. (laughs) Hallelujah. I do not intentionally want to leave any specific needs out. If you have one, uh, would you just lift that hand up toward the heaven? And we're going to take these before the throne of God right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I come boldly before your throne. And Lord, I'm asking you right now. Lord, every sickness, every disease, every name, every petition that's been spoken. Lord, I'm asking you right now upon the authority of your word. Lord, that you would meet every single need that's being made known right now. Every name that's been called. Every name that hasn't been called. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Touch Sister Jill tonight. She is unable to be in the house of the Lord. Be with her tonight. Lord, I pray a healing touch into her body. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We call it all, we call it done, and in the name of Jesus we pray. And could somebody say amen? Would you just clap your hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Before you're seated, why don't you just one more time, maybe turn to somebody you hadn't spoke to and smile at them and say you sure do look good in the house tonight. Sister Tracy, it's good to see you in the house tonight. Hallelujah. You know, it's always good when the church has a reputation, when visitors come, our guests. I heard uh, Robbie and Rachel say tonight they'd visited several churches, but they knew when they come here they would feel the presence of the Lord. I'm glad people know when they come they can feel the presence of the Lord. I like that reputation in the community. I like that reputation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Tonight, I've got 55 minutes. Hopefully I won't take all of that time, but we're going to have church here for a few moments tonight. I want to continue our our lesson or our series of uh, messages that I have been teaching to us as a church body, and I believe it's going to help us and empower us tonight. 
I want to simply title tonight, Ten Deadly Sins. Ten Deadly Sins. When we sin with our mouths, we separate ourselves from God and prevent Him from working in our lives the way He desires. Last Wednesday night, we discovered the truth about words. We learned that hurtful words can have a long-lasting and damaging effect on relationships. And if you did not, if you were not here and did not hear that message, you can go back to podcast or you can go, go back to our Facebook Live. But words reflect the heart. Somebody say that. Words reflect the heart. You got to get that on the very onset of tonight. Words reflect the heart. And when we use hurtful words, we need to examine our hearts to find the root of the problem. Remember how I've preached previously. Words are just mere fruit. It's just the fruit. But the root is in the heart. Where is those words coming from? Where is that conversation? Where is that thought process that moves from a thought to the spoken word? Where is that coming from? And that's, that's what this series has been about. Because if we can understand when we use words correctly, words can invest. Words can heal. Words can have eternal significance. So the power of what the spoken word can do. And I hope over this past week you have, you have noticed yourself choosing your words more carefully. Sometimes it's just pause. Sometimes it's just not speaking the first things that come out of your mouth. Sometimes it's sleeping on something. Sometimes it's just taking a time out and saying, you know what? I need to pray or I need to sleep on this or I need to just consider what I'm going to say before I say it. Because you can save yourself a long, long litany of issues and problems. Because once words are spoken, they can never be unspoken. Come on, somebody. Once words are spoken, they can never be unspoken. So tonight I want to teach us about the ten deadly sins. Let me start tonight by quoting a portion of scripture you have heard from this pulpit out of my mouth, your pastor, many, many times. Because I just believe it to be such a foundational, I want to say a foundational doctrine. But it's a foundational principle that has the potential to revolutionize your life and your family and your well-being. And it's found in Proverbs 18 and 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It lets me know my tongue has power. It lets me know my words have power. My words have the potential to do good or do harm. That's what our words have the potential of doing. And the sins we commit with our mouths produce death rather than life. It's these sins that separate us from God and keep Him from being able to work in our lives the way He desires. Let me say it like the prophet Isaiah explained it in Isaiah 59, 1-3. through Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor His ear heavy that He cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. <laughs> For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. So when I read this passage of scripture today, it let me know that this passage does not say that God cannot hear it says rather that he will not hear why because there is nothing wrong with God the problem is with sin if we go all the way back to Genesis what separated God and man it was sin it was the the, the fall in the garden it was sin that separated us from God 
So sin separates us so that God cannot hear us according to Scripture. But when we sin through our words or actions, we cut ourselves off from intimacy with God. How many know that and agree with me that our relationship with God is our most valuable relationship? Because what good is a relationship horizontally if the vertical relationship's not right? Our relationship with God is the most important relationship we can have. But when that relationship is right, the horizontal relationship have a higher percentage of being fruitful, of being in harmony, and being in unity, and being what I believe a reflection of the body of Christ. So I'm going to teach us tonight on ten ways that the enemy would love to divide the body. Ten sins that separate us from God that directly separate us in the body. Number one, lying. Did you know lying is a sin? How many like a liar? I've been dealing with one for the last nine months. Brother Tanner. I've been dealing with one for the last nine months, I feel like. I'm gonna just, I don't need anybody to call any names, and I'm not gonna call any names, but I got a personal situation that I've been dealing But how many know a liar? I think I do. Or I know it, but anyway. But once you know one and you understand, I just don't like a liar. Why not just tell the truth? Proverbs 6, 16 and 19 said, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Here's what we need to understand. God doesn't just love truth. He is truth. And everything that's not of truth is a lie. God doesn't just love truth. He is truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He is truth. So when you understand the nature of God, He is truth. That exposes lies. That, ex that exposes lying or telling the untruth. Proverbs 12, 22 tells us, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who deal truthfully are His delight. And I know this is not um, rocket science, but when you look at the word abomination, it's a very strong word for sin, meaning detestable. The seven behaviors listed that I just read are idolatrous to the Lord. So when we lie, we leave the throne of truth and we sit on the throne of lies. Lying is detestable to God because it is opposite of His nature. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. So we are his children. We are the sheep of his pasture. We have been bought with a price. We're not our own. So I'm encouraging us as the body of Christ to understand when we speak something that is untrue, we're speaking completely against the nature of God. And God does not approve of that. It's a deadly sin that will divide you from God and from man. Lie to somebody long enough. See how much, see how long they trust you. Borrow money from someone and never pay it. Lord, I done gone to meddling. Give a deadline and then don't call and say, you know what, I've had an issue. Borrow money from a creditor and don't make arrangements. It's lying. 
I didn't know it was going to get tight that fast. I'm talking about ten deadly sins. We're better than that. I said we're better than to be known in our community as a liar. We're better than that. I've got the Holy Ghost, Brother Kuhorn. I've got the Spirit of God on the inside. I don't want to be known as a liar. We don't want to be known on our jobs as a... Do you think anybody's going to follow your Christian example? Or supposedly Christian example if they know you're a lie? They're not going to do it. A bad stronghold is a habit you cannot break. Something, it, it's something you cannot break and something you do over and over. And there is a remedy though. And it applies to all ten of these deadly sins. I'm hitting this on the very first one online. Because to break a bad stronghold, this would be worth writing down. You must become both accountable and correctable. And this will apply to the remaining nine. Because accountability will not lead to change unless you are willing to accept correction. Every now and again, you need to be, no, that ain't true. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. I didn't mean that. That's a lie. Sometimes you just, you just got to say, uh, 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 that's not true. And in the process of doing that, that's correction given. That's help given. You can, and I, and I love this one as I begin to prepare for this message. You can't ask someone to be held accountable or somebody to hold you accountable and then not accept correction. It don't work that way. To break one of the deadly sins that I'm teaching tonight, you have to confront what it is in your life and accept correction. It's not that someone, and it may be a peer, it may be an accountability partner, but if they're holding you accountable and they're correcting you, you ought to thank them because they're trying to help you. They're trying to help you get out of this rut. They're trying to help you get out of this, this mode of thinking and behavior. So we're talking in our first sin on lying. If somebody says, no, that's not true. That's a lie. Okay. I may, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I was wrong. And then adapt to that and say, you know what? I've got to do a better job of listening. And I've got to do a better job of talking. So I'm not falling into the, to the trap of maybe possibly telling a lie. Everybody say amen. Number two, talking about ten deadly sins. Sowing discord, stirring up division, it's a deadly sin. A, according to Proverbs 6, 12 through 15, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles with his feet, he points his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He deviseth evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. I know I just read a very lengthy portion of scripture. But let me, let me just speak on this for a few moments. Our works come from our words. If we fix our words, we fix our works. People who sow discord will reap calamity. When you speak disharmony and disunity, you will reap disharmony and disunity in your own life. But it will come in such a way, suddenly and with a, a, a calamitous way. One of the ways we unknowingly do this is when a person complains to us, maybe about a spouse, maybe a, a husband, a wife, or another person. Our job is to speak unity to that marriage. I'm trying to help us tonight. We better guard our homes and our marriages. Be careful talking negatively about your wife or your husband to somebody else. Be careful talking about another brother or a sister to somebody else. That's so we should be the promoters of unity, not division. Come on, somebody. 
I always like, do I try to see the good in someone or am I just seeing and pointing out the bad or the part I don't like? Oh, our favorite song still ought to be, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Oh, how lovely and patient he must be. He's still working on me. So before I point a finger at somebody, always remember there's three more pointing right back at me. That's what unity is about. Finding the good. Finding the positive, And being a promoter of unity. Sowing discord is a deadly sin. Not only, you, not only to you personally, but it has a way of affecting the body. Everybody on the same page with me tonight. Number three, gossip. Or dish in the dirt. Around the time of the First, first World War, Morgan Blake, a sports writer for the Atlanta Journal, wrote these words, and I quote, I'm more deadly than the screaming shell from the howitzer. I win without killing. I tear, I tear down houses, break hearts, wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for defenseless. My victims are numerous as the sand of the sea and as often as innocent. I never forget and I seldom forgive. My name is Gossip. You may say, what is gossip? It's a deadly sin. Gossip is spreading intimate and private rumors or facts. Notice gossip does not only apply to rumors. Even if a private matter is a fact, sharing it with others is still gossip. Proverbs 20 and 19, a gossip tells secrets, so don't hang around with anyone who talks too much. 2 Corinthians 12 and 20, the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian church, For I am afraid that when I come to visit you, I won't like what I find. And then you won't like my response. I'm afraid that when I find quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfishness, backstabbing, gossip, conceit, disorderly behavior. Do you realize he's talking to the church at Corinth? He's not talking to a lost and dying world. He's not talking to ranked sinners. He's talking to the church. That's what Paul was saying. I'm afraid when I get there, you're not going to like what I say. Because here's what I'm probably going to find. In the church, if we're not careful, we often disguise gossip by calling it a prayer request. The problem is we're doing more talking than praying. The next time you start to share something, ask yourself, am I really burdened for this person? Is my heart broken to, for this person like God's heart is? If you are not, and this is a general rule that I, I try to apply to my life. If you are not a part of the problem or essential to the solution, there is no reason to talk about a private matter. What you're talking about and who you're talking about, can they do anything about what you're talking about? Are we just wanting to talk about somebody? Are we wanting to point out a fault or a failure of somebody? Or can what we're talking can we bind together and pray and help that person? Don't get excited when you hear words. Did you hear? Get in a habit of not listening to or spreading gossip. Gossip can destroy you personally and it can destroy people. It's deadly. It's dealing with words. Number four, slander. Slander is a, um, it's one I see a lot these days. Passing along false information. Slander is a false and a malicious statement or report about someone. 
We often repeat reports without having personal knowledge of truth. Whether we get our information from a person, an internet, another source, we have the possibility of slandering others without even realizing it. Scripture is clear about God's position on slander. Let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. That was Psalms 140 and 11. Proverbs 10 and 18 says a person who slanders is a fool. And Paul instructs believers not to associate with anyone who calls themselves a Christian but is a slanderer. That's 1 Corinthians 5 and 11 in the NIV. And I want to encourage all of you, be careful what you share or post on social media about someone. If you're going through a tough time in your marriage, don't slander your husband or wife on social media. Don't be guilty of slandering. Don't be guilty of sharing slander. Because you're just as guilty as the one who originally posted it. Guard your reputation against being guilty of slandering. We are better than that. We are better people than that. There is a lot of keyboard warriors out there that will post stuff they would never say face to face with somebody. You'll get on there and get bold, get in that private closet or private room and you'll say things on social media you'd never say to a person face to face. Be careful with that. You're better than that. You don't want to get the reputation of being a slanderer. Guard your words. Guard your fingers. It's, it's very easy to get caught up in something that we have heard about someone. I really felt this in the spirit today. God is sending individuals into our church, families into our church. And sometimes we can get caught up in what we have heard about someone. And not, not even took the time to get to know them because we have formed an opinion because of what we've been told. Need I remind us that once more, we are the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters. We are a place, a safe place. We are a house of reconciliation to welcome the wounded, to welcome the hurt, to welcome those that want a better way and a better life. Somebody say amen about right now. Hallelujah. Number five, doing well, halfway there. Tailbearing. Breaking confidences. If somebody confides in you and somebody shares with you and somebody opens their heart to you in confidence, please don't be guilty of being a talebearer. It means revealing secrets or breaking confidence. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Proverbs 11 and 13. This church, the church, should be the safest place to reveal secrets in our lives and not be judged. This is a hospital. This is a hospital. But hear me. We confess our faults to God to be forgiven. But James says we must confess our faults to each other to be healed. How many forgiven people do we have in the church who are still not healed? We carry these things in our spirit. We carry old wounds in our spirit. And we don't release that and, and let that out of our spirit and release it. We've been forgiven of things, but we've never been healed of things. How many unhealed people are not confessing their faults to one another because they tried before and the information was spread to somebody else? God help us. We are to protect and help our brothers and sisters. Information is power. Knowing something about someone gives you power. If somebody comes to you, they're struggling, you now have power. You could take that information and be so malicious. 
But character is having power and using it wisely. That's character. That's true character. When a brother can confide in another brother and say, I'm struggling. I, I, I've been tempted like I've never been tempted this week. And that brother say, I understand. I'm going to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to bind together with you and I'm going to hold you accountable and we're going to, we're going to touch base tomorrow and I'm going to see how you're doing and we're going to get through this thing together. There ain't nothing wrong with it because confession breaks the power of the enemy. Confession breaks the strong. As long as it's in a secret chamber of your heart uh, that the enemy just keeps playing with you and dangling that over your head. But the moment you confess it out, the moment we're made overcomers by the word of our testimony. That's why the devil loves to shut our mouths from talking about some struggles that we've had. And as long as he can keep us and keep our mouths closed. But we don't want to be guilty of being a tell-bearer. When God affords you the opportunity to help a brother and sister. And you understand their hurts and you understand their struggles. It is our job to take it to the throne, not to someone else. Many believers will never have power because they do not have the character to use it wisely. I'm going to say that again. Many will never have power because they do not have the character to use it wisely. Number six. This one caught me. And, and when I say it, you're going to automatically think uh, profane language. But cursing. Cursing is a deadly sin. And I'm not talking about necessarily curse words. But we've got to stop speaking curses over our families. And we've got to start speaking blessings over our families. Because cursing is a deadly sin. Paul wrote to the people of Rome, their throat is an open wound or, or an open tomb. With their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And I started thinking about throats that are an open tomb. In other words, they're, they're filled with death and decay. And again, this is the church at Rome. The people who had just come out of the book of Acts revival. And they're establishing churches and they're getting people full of the Holy. And Paul's writing letters back to the church at Rome. And he said, your mouth is like an open tomb. It's full of death and decay. Tongues that practice deceit. In other words, they're skilled in lying. The church. Lips with the poison of asp under them. In other words, they are concealing snake venom. Mouths that are filled with cursing and bitterness. I don't think that's a very pretty picture. I, I, that's not something that I want to be. I don't want that in my heart and or, or, or on my family. And then I went to James chapter 3 verse 9 through 12. Cursing in this portion, it can refer to a, solid, a solemn announcement intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. And I began to study and the commentary said, when James was writing this, there were people who worshipped other gods and idols and some of their religious practices included calling down curses on people or casting a spell on them in order to harm them in some way. Some of these people got, got the Holy Ghost and started going to church and growing spiritually, but they thought some of their old religious practices with them was like placing a curse on people. That even being brought out of darkness into this marvelous, there was still some old practices they were still dealing with and thought they could put curses on people. James was saying to the, you got to stop doing that. That doesn't honor God or the people that were made in his image. God doesn't want us cursing anyone or doing some kind of, of spell or voodoo or whatever you want to call it. But God wants us to declare blessings over us. God wants us to declare blessings over one another, over our families, over our children. Hallelujah. It's also 
to curse someone can refer to an offensive word or a phrase used to express anger or annoyance. And I want you to understand the key word offensive. When you are offended, you're more likely to curse. You're wanting to mentally or emotionally hurt someone with your offensive words. But when you curse, you're speaking a curse. We are to bless, not curse. Why would you curse someone else? Why would you curse your marriage? Curse your business? Why would you withhold your tithe from the storehouse and be cursed? Now don't get quiet on me now. You can rob God. You cannot rob God and expect blessings to flow to and through you. I'm talking about curses. One of the most common curses spoken in our society is to damn someone. And I'm not cursing here. I'm just using this as an illustration. But when, when you use that word, it comes from the word damnation, meaning eternal damnation. Why would we ever damn someone or curse someone? Why would we ever curse our marriages or curse our checkbooks or curse our children? We ought to be praying before God that blessings would flow down to them. Generational blessings, not cursings. Declare blessings over them. Don't be guilty of saying words that would produce cursings in their life. They may not be living the way they should, but please don't curse them. Please, speak positive. Speak words of uplifting over them. Psalms 109, verse 17 and 18. As he loved, man, this, this portion of scripture really. As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in the blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing as with his garment. So let it enter his body like water and like oil in his bones. In other words, cursing and blessings do not mix. A person who's cursing is not blessed. You can't have both worlds. You've got to choose. Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be cursed? I don't know about you, but I want to start speaking blessings. I don't want to love cursing. I don't want to love speaking things intentional over my family. Let me give you some examples. It, don't, 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 don't berate your wife or your husband or your children. You're so stupid. You're ignorant. You're ugly. What? what? No, don't, don't speak that over. You're putting stuff in your lodging stuff in their brain. Into their spirits. Don't be surprised when they live out what you spoke over them. Why not declare blessings over them? You're highly favored of God. The love of God's going to be shed abroad in your. You're going to be somebody. You're going to amount to. You're going to graduate. You're going to go to. You're going to get a good job. You're going to do what God's called you to do. You're going to marry a good man or a good woman. Speak those good things. Cursings and blessings just don't mix. Number seven, blasphemy. And I'll come from the word blasphemy in this direction. Using God's name in a self-serving way. Blasphemy means to use God's name in an unsacred way. Or self-serving way. The third commandment says. You shall not take the name of the Lord God. The name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Who takes his name in vain. There are two ways to take God's name in vain. To use God's name as a curse word. Or to use God's name in vain. Or in a self-serving way. What's that mean pastor? Believers are often guilty of this second way, self-serving, because they say things, God told me this, in an effort to manipulate others. We should never use God's name to get our way. That's blasphemy. When you say God told me, God better had told you. When you say thus says the Lord, you better know the Lord told you to, to, to say that. Because we don't want to taint the or irreverence 
the sanctity of thus says the Lord. Man, that means something to me. Somebody come up, the Lord spoke to me. I mean, I'm taking that to the bank. Man, I'm ta- that's a word from the Lord for my family. I'm speaking and declaring that over my family. But otherwise, when we use the name of the Lord in a self-serving way, it becomes a deadly sin. We can hurt innocent people. We can cause confusion in families. We can cause confusion to our kids and our, uh, to other people. We don't want that. We want to hold and esteem the word in the name of the Lord highly. Number eight, and the next three will flow pretty, pretty fast and we'll be done. Filthy language. Spewing sewer speech. We already talked about cursing, but filthy language is a problem. It's a different problem. To be carnally minded is death. Colossians 3 and 8. But now you yourself are to put away or put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Filthy language comes out of your mouth because it is in your heart. Be careful and guard your words. Have a good time. Laugh. Cut up. But there ought to be a Holy Ghost inside of you says, ah, I, I'm not going there. A lot of us, were, we've worked in public places, had public jobs. It's really easy to get caught up just like that in the conversations that, woo, I better back out of this. Because if you're not careful, it could stir up a lust. It could stir up unhealthy and unclean thoughts that never would have happened. But it all started with filthy language. Somebody that, if you've struggled with cursing and if you've struggled with talking in a way, guard yourself from people that do talk like that. Protect that spirit man. It's okay. Because you don't want those sins from your past or those thoughts or that lust to creep back in your spirit and it be a monster you have to deal with. Guard the language that comes out of your mouth. Number nine, contentious speech. Contentious speak, speech, habitually speaking strife. Contentious speech is hurtful, hateful, malicious, disagreeable, quarrelsome, belligerent, cantankerous, argumentative speech. Proverbs 21.9 says, Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. The King James says a brawling woman. But don't think the Bible singles out the women when this sin is concerned. All you husbands, I'm coming for you. Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So for the male species and the female, Both sides, we have the ability to be contentious. But it does not negate the fact that contention can be a deadly sin. When we habitually speak strife. Some people love to argue. Don't be punching. Some people love to stir up strife. Some think it's fun, but they fail to realize they're developing a contentious Spirit. A contentious spirit drives people away because no one wants to spend time with a person who always has to have the last word. Contentious speech is a bad habit. We need a good, and I wanted to bring the biggest mirror I had in our house, but I could, I, I just couldn't make it happen. But some of us, I said us, we need a good fresh relationship with a mirror. Because if we'd stay in front of that mirror long enough, looking at our own issues, looking at our own sins, looking at this list that I've taught from tonight, we, would, we wouldn't have time to be contentious. We wouldn't have time to be pointing out the fault and failures of somebody else. We wouldn't have time to be considering to speak about strife. Here's one thing I was taught. Pastor Shear taught me this a long time ago.
He said, in every day of your life, you walk around with two buckets in your hand. One with water, one with gas. Which do you use more? You got two buckets. You're going to throw water on the fire or you're going to throw gas on the fire? Which one are you going which one are you going to do? Because which one of you do is going to determine the outcome. It's easy. It's easy to pour gas when somebody's being strifeful and contentious. It's easy to but oh, what could be said about the end of it that those water? Uh-uh. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to be contentious. We're not going to argue about this. We're going to put it behind us. We're going to let it be underneath the blood. What bucket are you carrying? Because it will determine if this deadly sin creeps up into your life. Number 10. This deadly sin, probably of all of them, has the potential to shipwreck more people. It probably has. If you look back over all of your life, unbelief or spreading pessimism unbelief is a sin you commit with your mouth remember what is in your heart will come out of your mouth unbelief can also be called negativity negative words are words of unbelief Hebrews 3 12 through 13 says beware brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. While it is today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And I read that. I said there's two things in this passage. First, a warning against having an evil heart of unbelief. And second, I saw the antidote. Exhort one another daily. So how do you exhort? With your mouth. You use your words to exhort. How does the evil in, in our heart be manifest? Through our mouth. So the mouth has the potential to exhort or to speak unbelief. We choose. And one thing I've discovered I know this is so simple, but unbelief is contagious. And it is spread through negativity. If you have a negative mouth, your heart is of unbelief. I'm going to say that. If you have a negative mouth, you have a heart of unbelief. Well, I, wow. That's a tough pill to swallow. Let me help you. Jimmy Evans said it like this. Negativity is simply the devil's language spoken by those who have his perspective. Do you need to hear that again? Negativity is simply the devil's language spoken by those who have his perspective. Because faith does not mean you don't see the problem. Faith just means I see past the problem to the answer. I may not know what it is, but I'm looking for it. I know he's the author and the finisher of my faith. And I refuse to believe that God's brought me this far to see me lose out. With He's brought me this far that he's not going to take me all the way. Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I refuse to give in to the negativity or the unbelief. I just refuse to give in to unbelief. Because it's a deadly sin. It's one of those things that I become pessimistic about everything. Everything in life. Every, every crook, every turn. Instead of thinking one way, we start thinking another. Instead of all things work together for the good. Well, that was good for everybody but me. Then I went to the scripture. And I remember the story of the 12 spies in the Old Testament. Two of the 12 came back with a good report. The Bible calls this faith. Faith is not refusing to see the mountains. Faith is not refusing to see the giants. Faith is seeing the mountain mover or the giant mover. 
The two spies who gave the, the positive report were not delusional. They were not denying what was in the land. They never denied what was in the land. But the, what they did not release or what they did not deny was the promise had already been given to Moses. The promise had already been spoken. It's a good land. Be of good courage. Go possess the land. It's yours. All you got to do is show up. They never lost that report. They never lost what they had heard and they spoke it one to it. They spoke it among themselves. They watched and they participated in the carrying of the grapes out of the promised land. Back to be a visual representation of what waited on them when they got there. They said, oh, yeah, there's walled cities. Oh, yeah, there's giants there. But look at the fruit of the land. This land flows with milk and honey. They did not deny what was there. But they also did not negate how big their God was. The two spies who gave a positive report. They saw the giants. Let me say it like this. They saw the same giants the other spies did. But they knew their God was bigger. Why did God put giants in the promised land? Ask you, anybody else ask yourself that? Why did God put giants in the promised land? So no one could ever take the land without him. The only way God could bless his children was to get their mouths. I felt like taking a lap around this pulpit. When I typed this out this afternoon, the only way God could bless his children was to get their mouths to line up with his word. I just wonder what would happen on this night in August. The same is true today. If we stop speaking curses and start speaking blessings, what would happen if we got our mouths in line with the Word of God? Not in line with our circumstances. Not in line with everything that's going on. Not, uh-uh, uh-uh. What does God's Word say about me? What kind of life would I start living if I started declaring what He said? I am the head, not the tail. I am above, not beneath. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. I am a child of God. What would we start doing? What would we start becoming? What type of miracles would we start seeing? You need healing? Come to my church. Well, we ain't seen no miracles in a while. Really? There's miracles all in amongst us right now. There's little things that's happened uh, that we overlook so many times, and they're miraculous. But how much more does God want to do? How much? What, what type of marriage would we start having if I started declaring God's word over my home? Just declaring. I'm not going to be bound to the spirit of unbelief with my mouth. Oh, I want to close tonight by asking you a sincere question. Do any of the ten sins have a stronghold in your life that I mentioned? If so, do you have someone in mind that is godly and trustworthy who you will ask to keep you accountable and be correctable. I look around this audience. And as my mind. I, I could go in each section. There is not one person. That I would say. You're not a good person. You are a good person. But I believe our heart cry. Our heart cry. That our character needs to show the love of God in our actions and the words we speak. We're good. We're good people. We're good at coming to church. We're good at showing up. We're good at being faithful. But oh, what could we do and what could we become when we start operating as a body, caring one for another? As I said Sunday, a spirit of adoption. We start understanding where some, why does somebody act the way they do? Why does somebody behave the way they do? Why does somebody talk the way they, get to know them better.
And you'll probably understand, my Lord, I've said this a lot of times. I know this may not be proper. Please don't judge me harshly. Well, if I'd have been through the hell they've been through, I'd have probably be doing the same thing. If I'd have been through what all they've been through, I may, you, you, you never know what somebody's gone through till you talk to them and take on that burden and understand. You know what? They, they've been through some stuff. And they're still here. They're still coming to church. They may not have it all together, but I'm glad you're here. You, you've battled some stuff to get here tonight. But you made it. You made it to the house. And as long as there's breath in your body, as long as there is strength enough to get to the house, it's a miracle opportunity time. It's a time where God can pour, pour his oil and pour the bomb of Gilead in your spirit to, and make you somebody that can withstand all that you have been going through. Once I understand where you are and understand kind of why you've been doing then I've got to be open to say, you know what? Let me help you. I feel what you're going through. And let me just tell you what I did when I was in a similar situation. And allow God to use your testimony to help them. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Wow. Lying, sowing discord, gossip, slander, tail-bearing, cursing, blasphemy, contentious, unbelief, ten deadly sins. If one can't get you, another one may. But I look back over my life and I can tell you the moments in my early formidable years. I could point to several of these. Bingo. 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 This is why. This is why it happened. This is why I went through what I went through. But I stand today on the other side of grace, on the other side of mercy, launching a lifeline to you. That if God was merciful and helped me, He can help you. I want to encourage you this weekend, between now and Sunday, let the mirror of His Word shine a light in the darkest crevices the deepest hurts, the hardest points of talking. I don't know if I can confess. I don't know if I can really let go of that. It's become a crutch in my life. It's become something that, let it go. Let it go. Walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. Don't let it be a, don't let it be a wound in your life. Don't let it be a wound in your life you carry the rest of your life. Your marriage deserves better. Your children deserve better. The kingdom of God deserves you at your best. And as long as deadly sins are active in your life, there's no way you can perform. There's no way you can become and be what God's called you to be. But there is hope. There is hope tonight. Lift your hands all over this house. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm asking you right now that you would arrest us, arrest our heart, arrest our minds, arrest our thoughts, allow your word to come alive in us. Lord, I pray right now that what I have preached tonight, let, this, let the seed, God, that has been cast tonight. Lord, let there be something that would be awake. Let there something awaken in the hearts of people tonight. Lord, as we have continued in our journey on words. God, I pray 
I pray that there would be good reports come from this night. There would be things that would happen. Let there be words and conversations happen. Let forgiveness be given. God, let restoration happen in marriages and in homes, God. Let relationships be rekindled, oh God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Ghost, that we would rise to be and become what the kingdom deserves. That we would rise and become Come, all that you have prepared for us. Oh God, may we leave this place and not your spirit, not the presence that we feel. Let us leave the building, but your spirit go with us. And let us use our tongues to declare life and blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. Our offering, tithe and offering baskets are at the altar. Also, if you did not turn in a Move the Mission pledge card, we have some right here to my right. If you would like to pledge an amount for our Move the Mission offering, which is not this Sunday, but next Sunday, God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight.